0: Welcome to Coaching Kids Curling, a podcast for youth curling coaches and program organizers. I'm Glenn Gabriel, a certified curling coach who lives in Pickering, Ontario, Canada. My mission is to give you the advice, resources, and inspiration you need to make your program better. The curling season is almost here, and your first youth practice is just around the corner. What does an organizer do to prepare for it? In this episode, I share ideas with two youth curling organizers from Ontario. No matter which club or facility you curl at, the start of the season is an exciting time. Chances are it's been a few months since you last saw the kids in your program, not to mention the volunteers and parents. And with your first practice approaching quickly, you're thinking about what you need to do to prepare for day one. In this episode, I have a conversation with two youth program organizers from Ontario. Abby Darnley from the Stroud Curling Club and Maggie Dame from the Ilderton Curling Club. The three of us share what we do to get ready for the new season and what to expect on that first day. Maggie, Abby, welcome to the podcast. Thanks for
1: having us. Hi, Glenn. Thanks for having
0: us. Well, so we're here tonight uh, to talk about the upcoming curling season and specifically what we can do as youth program organizers to get ready for our first practice. Now, just to give people an idea of when we're recording, uh, we're we're recording this right before the Labor Day weekend in Ontario. And each of us is getting ready to return to our clubs uh, this fall to work with the kids. So I'll start off by uh, getting you to introduce yourselves quickly. Could you just tell us your name, the club you belong to, and your role in the club? Maggie, maybe you'd like to start?
1: Sure. Uh, so Glenn, first of all, thanks so much for having me on. Uh, my name is Maggie Dame. I'm the coordinator of the Junior and Little Rock programs at the Ilderton Curling Club in beautiful Ilderton, Ontario, if you don't know where that is. It's uh, just a few minutes north of London and about halfway between Lake Erie and Lake Huron.
0: Great. Abby?
2: Um, I uh, run the youth program at the Stroud Curling Club, which is just outside Barrie. And um, yeah, and I I also do a lot of programming with schools with the Rock Springs program because I also run the Rock Springs program.
0: Great. And uh, I am the Little Rocks rep at East York Curling Club. So- That leads to the next question. I think we have a bit of a difference of experience levels here, or there's a bit of a range. So uh, how long have you been in charge of your youth program? Uh, Abby, you want to start?
2: I have been running the Stroud Youth Program for, I think, four years now. Yeah, I think four years. And I remember the day that I walked into the club and the other youth coordinators' eyes lit up. Oh, look. That girl's going to take over for me. I know it. (laughs) I mean, he didn't say it that year, but I look back going, oh, there's where his eyes lit up.
0: (laughs) So, All right. Uh, Maggie?
1: Uh, This is my second year uh, to run the program with uh, Elderton. We have had a junior in Little Rock program for over 20 years. um, And the conveners just, the previous conveners just decided it was time for them to move on and step down. So the opportunity came up.
0: Thanks, Maggie. Uh, And I've been in charge of the Little Rocks program here at East York uh, since 2011. Uh, Very similar to your stories, I think, that the previous person wanted to to quit and uh, move on to something else, and the opening arose and I took it. Now, we haven't had a program in the last two seasons because of COVID, but uh, yeah, I'm looking forward to this season we're back. So... Uh, speaking of back, uh, maybe I'll start off the next, uh, question I have and I'll answer my own questions, which is, uh, do you guys know when your first practice is scheduled for, Oh mine is Sunday, October the 16th.
2: Mine is the Sunday after Thanksgiving.
0: That Whatever would be, that is, that's it. That's <laughs> okay. mine. No. I was
2: like, um, but I don't know what exact date that is yet.
0: <laughs> and yeah.
1: And I don't know. I don't know if we've landed on an exact date yet, but it'll be around that same time.
0: Is it a Sunday program for you guys, Maggie? It is, yeah. Okay. okay. Now, have you received any information about uh, uh, numbers, how many kids you might have? Uh, either of you, Maggie or Abby, you want to go here?
2: So we haven't even started registration yet. We start registration next week. Um, so I won't have any idea numbers probably until the middle of September. Um, and then I'll have a better idea of how many kids we have. Um, we do have a cap. I think we cap it at um, 60 was the number I put it at this year. Um, so we'll have, we should have hopefully close to that. That's what we had pre-pandemic.
1: Um, so hopefully we have that post-pandemic.
0: Okay. Thanks, Abby. Uh, any news, Maggie? Maggie?
1: And we um, just freshly opened our registration. We're about a week or so into it. So I think we have about three right now. Um, but in past years, it's anywhere between 25 to 30 Little Rocks and 20 to 25 juniors. So we're hoping for the same outcome.
0: All right. Uh, we've started registration for Little Rocks in uh, starting Oct- sorry October, August 1st. And it looks like I'll have about 30 to 35 kids. So, yeah, uh, things are... Uh, Things are getting uh, getting going. Can
2: I ask you, Glenn? Can I ask you a question? Sure. Um, Do you run juniors and Little Rocks at the same time,
1: or they run different times?
2: And what about you, Maggie?
1: Do you run juniors and Little Rocks? We're different different times, one right after the other. Okay,
2: us us too. Ours are like I just run Little Rocks. The juniors are run by the, the person that actually took over from Little Rocks. He got pushed up to juniors, so. I can see where my future is, I guess. <laughs> <There you> <laughs>
0: <come>. <laughs> all right. Uh, now that everyone, all of our listeners have a bit of an idea of where we're coming from in our programs, uh, I asked our guests to consider two questions, and we're going to be brainstorming and talking about the answers to them uh, tonight. So question one is, tell us one thing that you'd like to do before day one which is what I like to call our first practice. Uh, Yeah, so tell us one thing you'd like to do before day one to prepare for that practice. And I'm just going to go right, I guess, Maggie, why don't you start off? Uh, What's one thing that you want to do before day one?
1: Sure. So in the next few weeks, we're going to be watching the registration numbers just to have an idea of of what we're going to be looking at size-wise for the groups. Um, But other than that, it's really just dusting off the manuals and the the program um guidelines from last year and getting them ready um to prepare our our kids for day 1.
0: Sorry, you said manuals? Like or uh what like could you give us a bit of a description like what's in these documents?
1: Sure. Yep. Yeah. So they come from um, Curling Canada or, or Curl Ontario, I should probably know that. Um, but just the general guidelines of here's what you would look to do or accomplish in your first practice or week one, week two, and they kind of are laid out by week. Um, We we use them flexibly, uh, depending on the skill level that shows up for the kids um, and kind of where their interests lie, what they want to work on that week. Um, But again, it's just kind of getting those prepared and understanding um, kind of a a rough game plan of what day one looks like.
0: All right. Uh, Thanks, Maggie. Uh, Abby, what's something you want to do to prepare for day one?
2: So similar. um, I like to look at the registration mainly because I'd like to, you know, see which kids are coming back and maybe trigger any kids that I think maybe just missed the registration and want to come back. Mm -hmm. And I, so I do send out, um, you know, an email to all my participants from the year before saying, this is your last email from me and I hope you had a great summer. Um, But if you haven't signed up already, now's time to sign up because going forward, we'll be going off the new list so that um, anyone who kind of, forgot or was late to register, has time to kind of sign up. Um, And then for me, the first day um, is really about um, safety and fun. So, um, you know, right or wrong, we maybe jump into some of the curling games very quickly um, and and not worry as much about skill because um, I think back as a child myself in that, you know, I really want to play a game. And, you know, and if, if all we ever did was... Skill, skill, skill. Am I really excited to come back that next week? And and my goal, especially for a week one, is set the tone high that it's fun out here. You know, we have our music going. Um, you know, one of the kids from our program is good friends with my daughter, and I had my playlist over. She was over there the other day. She's like, "Hey, that song's from your curling playlist." I was like, "That wow. is from my curling playlist." <laughs> So, I guess I either have to update my curling playlist, <laughs> <laughs> but I, I really want to set the tone early that um, you know it's fun, and uh, we're not just doing you know skills out here, we're gonna do some games and that sort of stuff um, so that it keeps them wanting to come back.
0: Is that something that you have to communicate to your volunteers? like keep the energy level up, that sort of advice?
2: Yeah, like, I think I stress a lot to my volunteer. I, I will say I'm extremely lucky and I'm knocking on wood that my volunteer list is the same this year. But I think last year we had like 14 14- volunteer coaches. I know, I know. I hate to even say it out out loud. I think at one point, one of the kids was like, I think you have more coaches than kids. I was like, who cares? That's great. (laughs)
1: It's a good problem to have. Exactly.
2: I was like, you know what? It does make it fun for us out there too, right? Because it's a social time for us too. So I find like if you're paired up with people, it it makes um, your time slot go by a little bit faster. So I'm very lucky to have a great group of volunteer coaches. Um, And we had some high school kids come out and volunteer with us too, which was awesome. So they, were wonderful. Um so I do like to keep, you know, I always say stress fun, but um the two main guys that sort of helped me a lot, I think they laugh and joke and say you have enough energy for all of us and I'm pretty adamant to be the one dancing down the ice and keeping it light and airy and if, you know, making sure everybody's having a good time. I, I like to think that's my role is to keep the energy high for everybody and other people bring some other skills and techniques to the table that I might lack.
0: Well, Abby, it starts at the top, right? Right. I mean, if they see you know <laughs> the, the head organizer or the lead coach being like that, then they're more likely, you know, it's more likely to flow down to your other coaches. So, good for you. Yeah, I I need to bring my energy level up sometimes, and I might have to
2: get um, the right playlist. Get play, the right playlist. I know
0: you get you need to give me some tips. Maybe exercise. <laughs> get some exercise before I come in to uh, pump myself up. Uh, uh, I was gonna say uh. Not motivations. Um, what are those things you say to yourself to make you feel better or pump you up, pump yourself pep talk. up?
2: Yeah, a little pep talk.
0: Pep talk. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, affirmations. I, yeah. I oh, think yeah. The... <laughs> so yeah, absolutely. Uh, that it's a, it's day one. Everyone's excited. Everyone should be pumped. So uh, thanks, Abby. I'm I'm going to go somewhere a little different for my uh, thing. I like to do to prepare, which is. I want to look at all the documents I need to get signed and filled out because that's one of the hidden uh, secrets of running a youth program. There are lots of documents to fill out. And the sooner you get them done and preferably not at the practice, uh, the faster things can run. So we have an open house coming up after Labor Day. And we're hoping that we get a lot of parents come in and bring in those forms, or at least we're going to send them out digitally and make sure that everything from, like the medical information form, Rowan's Law forms, uh, for the coaches, the police checks, uh, at least the applications for them. It can take a while for them to be processed in Toronto. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I, I, it's, it's a bit of a, a bureaucratic answer, but something that's necessary in, in these times. So, uh, hey, there's my answer uh, and make it fun <laughs> while I'm doing it. <laughs> right. I guess we should get right to question two, unless there's other things you think we should do to prepare. Uh, Maggie, Abby, or just go on to question two.
2: I I mean, I'd like to say get the equipment ready, but first, to be honest, I'm probably just going to walk in the club and be like, hope it's
1: all here.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Uh, Maggie, you were going to say something?
1: Yeah, well, I think Abby touched on it. Um, Another thing will be kind of organizing the volunteers and making sure that I have enough for day one, Um, putting out the feelers to everyone who volunteered with me last year, whether they'd be interested again. Um this year, and I can count on their support and also some of the new parents um that are joining or have their kids joining to see if they'd be interested in volunteering That's, I think we all know this these programs can't run without our amazing volunteers, so we need to get those decks in the row in a row also before we start that first day,
0: yeah, absolutely, Maggie, and I know that a lot of our new kids are uh kids of curling parents, so you know, that's the first actual place to ask. Uh, mm-hmm. With a two-year gap in my program, it's a little weird because I'm, I am going to ask people who have volunteered in my program, but some people have just moved on to other things in during the COVID time. So uh, I'm kind of curious to know how that's going to play out. But yeah, absolutely, volunteers. I had that as a separate topic to talk about later, but yeah, I'm glad we touched on it now.
2: So I want to touch on something that you just said there for a second, Glenn, and it's probably completely off topic. But you said a lot of your participants are um, uh, kids of curlers. So I would say a lot of mine are not. Okay. Um, it is, yeah. I mean, don't get me wrong. Obviously, we have like my own kids and there's kids in there. That have kids, but, but I would say most of our participants are not kids of curlers. And so it's interesting to see our program build from what I would say has not been always the traditional way um and i mean i say that but i mean things are always changing and evolving and every club's different depending on the town um so interested to hear like kind of how other clubs are sort of building and where their kids come from and how they attract new people to the game
0: sorry abby was that uh um were you asking about how we get new kids into the game that are besides kids (laughs) of curlers
2: Well, no, no, I think that's a different topic altogether. Um, But I think it's just interesting (laughs) that um, some clubs nowadays are um, built, you know, are curling families. Um, And and I can tell you it's very different. Like I took a bunch of kids to a Bondspiel last year in Oshawa, and I would say most of them had never even played like a Bondspiel for sure, but neither had any of their parents. Like they didn't even know what to expect. And so, you know, I went, like, you know, they told me the draw times so like, oh, our draw time's is like 8.30 or 10.30, whatever it was. And then I said to them, okay, you can expect lunch at this time and your second game will be at this time. And they're like, oh, my God, you were like to a T. And I was like, well, it's pretty hard, easy to predict. Like, <laughs> and I was like... That you know, but they're not from a curling. They've never been to a bonspiel. So they've never been in a curling club. So it was from a very different perspective, from from my point of of dealing with all these parents who who had no idea. They just kind of were like looking at me, going, "So you want me to just show up to the club at this time and and that's it. Everything else is good." And I'm like, "Yeah, yeah." Here's the schedule. It's very different.
0: No, you you have a good point there, Abby. I, it's not just. I mean, I looked at the roster. There are definitely kids there that are not from curling families, and. I always, I came to the sport late in life, and I always keep in mind that when I joined the sport, I didn't know anything. And so I feel for them. I feel for people who know nothing about the mm-hmm. sport, so I never assume that anyone knows it. A couple of things I might do, like I definitely, not target, but if you can sort of identify which parents are new— or which groups are new. You can, you know, maybe there's a frequently asked questions email that you have ready to send them if they have questions. Maybe, uh, I know some of them are are, uh, interested in lessons. So if you have a learn to curl at your own club, you try to filter them toward that, or or maybe you even host one for the parents of your kids, you know, so that they know what the sport's about if they've never tried it themselves. But yeah, it, it's something to consider as we move into that first practice. That there's definitely going to be people who are have never done this or mm-hmm. never come from a curling mm-hmm. history or background, uh, and we should absolutely try to get them uh, in our culture as soon as possible.
2: What about your program, Maggie? Are they from various curling families or a mixture?
1: A mixture, I'd say it's probably 70, and I'm just basing this off of last year, it's probably 70, 30, 70 being non-curlers or non-curling families. So a lot of, and within that 70%, it's a lot of different skill sets um, and uh, levels of experience.
0: Okay, great. Uh, I'm I'm sure we uh, can continue that, uh, that line of questioning or that line of thinking as we continue talking about Day one itself. And so that's the second question I asked our guests to consider, which is, what's something that a new program organizer can expect on day one so they're not surprised when it happens? And I don't know who went first last time. Oh, Abby, maybe I'll get you. Yeah, I think Maggie went first for the first question. Abby, do you want to answer that question? What's something that they can expect that maybe they don't know to expect?
2: Um. I mean, expect the unexpected. I guess <laughs> it's
0: a sort of cliche, but uh,
2: but uh, um, you, you just never know. I mean, for me, it's usually that uh, someone has showed up without the proper equipment, whether it's without a helmet, without the right shoes, whatever the case might be. It is like you know, I find like someone has come without the right. You know, I try to send a notice beforehand that says, "Here's what you should bring," and you know, we we try and put it out there, but. Somebody showed up there. I mean, our club's lucky. They have a lot of helmets on hand that they can loan out and sanitize and that sort of stuff. So we can usually make something work. Um, but I think that's it is just be prepared that somebody isn't and and how you can still feel make them feel welcomed um, even if they might not be able to get on the ice or be part of the program you know, right out of the gate. That would be one of them.
0: Yeah, that's a great point, uh, Abby. I know that we have uh, helmets policy that it's they're mandatory Mm -hmm. so if they show up day one without a helmet that's a big bummer a huge huge bummer uh we i know we have at least one helmet in our stores uh that we keep for the little rocks but yeah probably a couple more wouldn't hurt either maggie uh what's something uh people can expect on day one that maybe they're not expecting if they're new to this job
1: I, I think it's a lot about expectations on day one, especially with the Little Rocks. So the our Little Rocks program can range in age from four up to 12. And so we do have a lot of little, little kids. And Abby said it earlier, they just want to get out there and smash rocks. That's They've watched curling on TV. That's all they want to do. So we try to set the expectation, you know, we're going to talk about safety and then we're going to go down onto the ice. We're going to practice sliding for a bit. And then I promise you get to splash some rocks. So <laughs> if you can just hang in to the skill part of it for a little while, then you get to do what you want to do. And it's uh, kind of treating it like a reward. But I find if you're upfront about that, um, then they stay a little bit more engaged.
0: Now Maggie, just out of curiosity, how longs your practice?
1: Um, so, uh, that's a good question actually last year. And for the past few years that we've been open for little rocks, it's been, uh, an hour and a half and then juniors go for two hours because they actually try to, they do a little bit of skills at the beginning, but then they try to spend most of their time playing a game. Um, but what we found last year for the little rocks, and this is both my observations and feedback from the parents as well, is that an hour and a half on the ice was just too long for the little kids. They were getting disengaged, they were getting cold, and they wanted to go back up to the clubhouse. So this year, we're going to try an hour and see how that goes.
2: So we we used to be an hour and a half, and we're an hour now too. Um, We were an hour and a half pre-pandemic. And then because of the pandemic and and showcasing enough time between our program and the next program to sanitize and get everything clean and then cleared out before the next group came in. We've switched to an hour and and I'm not going back.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. uh, Technically we get 75 minutes, but those first 15 minutes were used as a warm up, sort of getting things Mm -hmm. ready. And then actually realistically it was always an hour. So it was 60 minutes for the little rocks in our program. Uh, Yeah. I was just curious based on, you know, if you've, been working on skills for like whatever like 45 minutes and then you leave 15 minutes of game time maybe that first day is fine because it's the first day and you're getting kids used to things uh, but you know I guess as the season progresses you reduce the amount of skill time and add more game time I don't I don't know that seems to be how we work
2: well and, and even Same with I... oh sorry go ahead Abby no go ahead Maggie I'm blown away that you start at four that's amazing That's so amazing. We don't
1: have many, but we do have a couple and they're actually really good. Um, And sorry, now I forget what the question was. It's
0: okay. No, no, I must've glossed over that too. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Um, No, the breakdown of the skills versus playing and that really, um, and I guess this would be another answer to your question. What can a new coach expect? You really just have to stay flexible and kind of, listen to what the kids are wanting and asking for if you see them kind of their attention drifting or uh, they're starting to make snow angels on the ice or um, playing Star Wars with their brooms. Okay, maybe it's time to move on and try something else.
0: This coming season, Maggie, is your second, right? So last season was, of course, your first. Mm -hmm. Can you go back in time? Can you remember that first day?
1: Oh, my goodness. It was, well, and keep in mind, it was not only my first season doing this, but also COVID. So we had all the COVID protocols. We were just coming out of another rolling lockdown. Um, We had the Curl Ontario QR code that we had to try to get to all of our uh, members, including our juniors in Little Rocks. Um, There were other protocols that we were following from the London Middlesex Health Unit, around masking and social distancing. So there was a lot um, happening last year leading up to that day one. Um, But really, once the kids got back, it was so wonderful to see them again and to see them having fun back on the ice. And that was really special. That made it all worth it.
0: Is there a particular memory of that day? Do you remember the day itself? Or does it all, I don't know, uh, what do you remember about it? (laughs)
1: I I think I've tried to block out the last two years (laughs) of COVID, um, but I just, I really do just remember that the kids were so excited to be there. Um, Some had come back that I remembered from previous years as a volunteer. Um, Some of our volunteers, our high school kids had come back and it was just, it was remarkable to see how these kids had grown Um, but also how eager they were to get back on the ice, just like all of us, all of our regular members as well. We were just eager to get back and see our friends and to be part of our community again. Um, So it was a really special day.
0: Awesome. Thanks, Maggie. I guess my answer for this question, you know, what can a new program organizer expect? Uh, That first day is crazy. It's chaos. It always is. So number one, expect that. Don't don't be disappointed if things go a little off the rails. But from a perspective of a program organizer, I'm going to tell anyone who's new and listening to this and have just taken on this job, people are going to demand a lot of time out of you for that day. So uh, it's not that you have to be rude, <laughs> especially when you are starting out that day, like the first hour or so of or the prepping of it, because people are going to, everyone's going to approach you. They're going to see you as, you know, coach Glenn or coach Maggie or coach Abby and say, hi, my name is, you know, whatever. And this is my child and they're new and they're excited. And multiply that by 30 or 40 or 50 or 60. And uh, it's just my way of saying, uh, don't be afraid to say, you know, I'll talk to you afterward. Just, Mm -hmm. you know, but I have to prepare now. So, Coach Glenn has to get things ready. But I'll spend all the time in the lounge afterward with you guys. And I'm so excited to have you here. But uh, yeah, in order for us to do this stuff, I need to get around and do things. So uh, it's a pleasure meeting you and we'll talk after practice.
2: So on that, Glenn, do you ever have the opportunity or chance? And again, I I guess I am in a lucky situation of a lot of excellent volunteers and coaches, where sometimes I go out on the ice and I get them started and then I come back inside and then I'm like, well, they're out there, I'm kind of doing my spiel for the parents. This is what you can expect for the year. Who has any questions? And kind of allows me to like um
0: filter them around. That,
2: yes. Give them that opportunity. Okay. Right. Yeah. Um, which I know not, I mean, sometimes don't get me wrong. I have a lot of volunteers, but there's some weeks where we're short. So I never know what I'm going to get till Mm -hmm. I kind of, you know, we send out an email ahead of time, but, um, but it's very, I I find if you ever at the opportunity, it's like, if you have another assistant who can really kind of lead things while you're gone, it makes your job so much easier to like, almost reassure the new parents. Like we've got this, we, you know, ask me your questions, we'll get to you and, and that sort of stuff.
0: No, good. Great point, Abby. Uh, I know I always plan a parents meeting the second Sunday. The okay, first one's just yep. too crazy to me. Like, yeah, the second one is always mm-hmm. a little more chill, and I do plan it for the second half of that practice, so that I gather all the parents together and we chat. And I tell them, you know, what the, the usual stuff at a parents meeting: expectations, my philosophy, what uh, if they need to talk to me, what's the best way to do that yeah, I have enough volunteers generally speaking that I can flow around. I don't usually walk up to the to the lounge and talk to the parents during practice unless there's something urgent. But I do have enough that I have a chance to sort of, if I have to, flow around a bit. Uh, and, and I know that's a luxury because I know there are a lot of programs where you have to be on the ice. You have to be teaching. There's only two of you for like 20 yeah. kids. So, you know, I, I can't leave the one person here. So uh, I, f- yeah, definitely fortunate. Although I, as I said before, after a two year break, I might have to just be one of those coaches on the ice all the time, <laughs> but you yeah. never, you never know. Uh, sorry, went at, off
2: on a tangent again. There, <laughs> went <laughs> off on another tangent. There,
0: sorry. No, 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 no problem. That's 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 a great part of this uh, discussion here. Um, <laughs> God, the parents' meeting is another topic. But uh, now that we've answered both questions that were <laughs> on the agenda, uh, I have some random topics that we can quickly go through. If you, I'll just say them out loud, and if you have anything to add, uh, and we've already discussed some things, so one of them is equipment. Uh, do you bother checking it before the season starts?
2: Well, we know I don't know.
0: <laughs>
2: now <laughs> <laughs> no, so I I you know what I don't? I, I don't usually go on to the ice shed You know, I'm I'm hoping the curling club did their due diligence and it's in good shape and uh uh and if it's not, well, I'll deal with it that day. That's one of those things that goes surprise. Guess what we're going to do today. So, um I I've never you know, even when I wasn't running the program and I was just one of the coaches that helped out, I've never seen it not be in good shape yet. So I'm hoping that knock on wood,
1: it's oh, going to knock on wood somewhere. Yeah, 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 yeah exactly, <laughs> knock on wood that it's going to continue somewhere.
0: <laughs> All right, uh, Maggie?
1: Um, I'll try to go in before we are so lucky that we have our director of operations at the club and the staff at the club have been working so hard to get it ready for the season. So um, I'm typically in uh, communication with her just saying like, Hey, have you come across (laughs) junior stuff? Because we know things get shuffled around in the winter as they try to make their updates and and clean the club. Um, So I typically have a pretty good idea of the state of the equipment before Um, going in, but again, this is where checking the registration numbers really comes in handy because you want to make sure that you have enough as far as, uh, sliders and brooms and, and things like that.
0: Yeah. Oh, speaking of sliders, that's the, probably the one thing I want to check because, well, again, mm-hmm. after they two go years, you go missing, people borrow them and don't mm-hmm. return them as they promised. <laughs> I'm doing the quotes with my fingers as we're talking. Uh, but yes, that those are probably the most important things because you want to make sure at a MRI program, we, they each get one that's a slip-on slider. Uh, that's what the, the ones we use. We make sure each kid has them. And if we're lucky, if we're organized at the open house, we sort of size them for that if they're there. Uh, or we do it on day one. I mean... You know, we gotta do something on day one, I guess. Yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. but Spend yeah. tell your
2: time. <laughs> yeah,
0: hey. Uh, so yeah, that that's uh that's the one piece of equipment I think I I would check over and make sure that the the bands are still good and they're they got elastics on them and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Mm-hmm. Uh snacks. 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 That,
2: and don't forget we're coming out of a pre we're coming out of COVID now. We haven't had snack opportunities.
0: okay uh, is that what happened last couple of seasons
2: yeah we didn't have any food operational uh for us uh we didn't run the first season and then last season we didn't have any food um for our program it was just one of the things that we took away
1: um as part of the quick protocols Um, right so yeah maggie um, we we did. We had snacks, not every single lesson, um, but kind of on the special occasions like Canadian Thanksgiving, around um, Halloween, um, before Christmas time, we had some treats. And that was actually one of the, the pieces of advice that Abby gave me when I was talking to her as I was trying to prepare for the season last year was, Just bring snacks. All the kids will be happy if you have snacks at the end of the lesson. They won't remember anything that happened during the lesson except that they were snacks. And it does really seem to go over well. Last year, we um, uh, just do again to the safety protocols. We stuck to like individually wrapped bags of potato chips or granola bars or juice boxes, things like that. And usually it was something that they would grab on their way out or they would grab as they were sitting
0: with their um, family after the session was over. Oh, that's awesome. Snack has always been traditional in my program, uh, well, pre-COVID. Uh, uh, we're lucky in that the kitchen prepares it for us. So from what I gather, talking to our staff, that's going to continue, or at least that's going to be restarted when we come back in October. So I, I understand. I, I know we're, how fortunate we are, but uh, it's important. Yeah, that's great. Yeah, it's important for them to uh, – that's a, a big way that our board supports us. And we collect a little – I think we collect a little extra money from every kid to try and offset the cost of that. So, yeah, snacks.
2: So, you know what? We don't have snacks in our program. I, and I I, I know I, – and if I'm being perfectly honest, I only curl because of the snacks after my Little Rock program. <laughs> it was like what kept and, – and here I am now. Coach, coach years- snacks. Many years later, and I don't even have snacks. And I'm thinking that's the only reason I came back half the time was like, okay, is it time to get up so we can eat those chips? Like, okay, let's get to the chips part. (laughs) And yet, so I'm hoping that it's something that we can implement. Um, We we used to do a kitchen thing after, but it was really more just, um, you know, Parents maybe bought it for their kids, maybe didn't, um, which um, is great. But I find it it doesn't provide that same social atmosphere it does as mm-hmm. when sitting at the table and you're sitting with your peers and you're having the snack together. Um, so I would love to bring that back. I don't know if it's going to happen this year or just for special events, but it's definitely something on our radar.
1: I would also even add it's not just the Little and Juniors. Like I'm motivated by snacks after my Girly uh, leagues are over. Competitive sure. or
0: social, aren't we all? Yeah. We, adults just call it broom stacking, right? It's just a fancy <laughs> exactly. word for snacks. <laughs> and the second episode of my podcast ever is literally snacks. So that's how important I feel. That that's uh, that's how important I feel it is to my program. Mm-hmm. All right, um, getting to uh, another topic. Uh, we already talked about it but uh perhaps if there's any follow up how do we know how many volunteers are going to help us? We hope. Yeah. Well, mm-hmm. at least we reach out, right? I mean, talk to the people who helped us before.
2: Yep. Yeah, I have a well, I mean, I have a list and I have I actually have one of one of my volunteer coaches, uh his job um every week of the whole season is to email out uh the Tuesday before who's coming next week so that we sort of have an idea and he records everybody's responses. And that's kind of, you know, one less thing I have to do. I can yeah. delegate it to somebody else. And, um, and then he just kind of keeps me updated. Like here's the revolving number. So that if we are going to be short, I can sort of reach out to people who maybe aren't our core staff, but are like happy to help in
1: emergency situations type thing. Maggie. Um, yeah, so we rely on a lot of the uh, parents who are also curlers and have children in the program. Um, we have a few who are non-parents uh, that also volunteer who are club members or have been in the past. Um, and then also for our Little Rocks so or our younger kids, um, we have a few of our junior high school students who will come early and help with the Little Rock program. And it goes towards their high school volunteer hours as well so it's a long day for them um but we truly truly couldn't do it without them we really appreciate them coming out and helping
2: yeah i had some awesome high school volunteers last year Mm
1: -hmm. like
2: such good ones um i had one that did not miss a week and i was like oh my goodness i think he he was there every week i couldn't believe it and we ran twice a week last year to accommodate for covid and he wouldn't, he was there every time. I was like, You are like our most well attended coach. I think he was there more, more than all of us. So it was amazing. He was amazing. I was like, You have to come back. Well, he does. <laughs> yeah, <that's incredible.
1: laughs>
0: so lucky. Wow. wow. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's important to remember the junior fact, uh, the junior component of the volunteering, uh, even just in terms of the teaching of skills and, and everything mm-hmm. else, because frankly, they're more likely to listen to them when it comes down to it. Right. I want to be like them.
2: Yeah. It's like, they're as much as it's as cool as I think I am. Sometimes my kids tell me I'm not as cool as I think I am. And so <laughs> the juniors, the, I know, I know. I'm like, no, I'm still cool. I, I got Shocking. it. <laughs> but the, the juniors do make it relatable for like long term, Right.
0: Yeah. I actually sent an email. I'm, I'm going to double check that. I sent an email to our junior coordinator just as, you know, Put the word out there. If anyone wants to help out with the program, you know, you'll get snack, you know, at the very least. Yeah. So, it's yeah. a great idea, actually, Glenn.
2: Back snack. Ne- <laughs> you know what, Glenn? I've never emailed to say, hey, ask the juniors who wants to help volunteer. I've never done that. And that is definitely something that's going to be added to my list because I love that.
0: Don't get yeah. me wrong. There are lots of years I didn't do that, but. Again, if you don't ask right then yeah. you, you never know so it doesn't hurt to just send get them to send that one email to their juniors and say hey uh, coach Glenn needs help and and the little hidden secret behind that is a lot of them went through my program so yeah if, if you did a good job and they like you then they'll some, come back they might come back and help you out so yeah all right uh, well ladies thank you so much for for coming on the podcast Uh I'm going to give you a chance to plug your club or your program, uh, if you'd like. But I, I wrote down this one last question, and I know I'm sort of springing on you now, but sort of as a summary of what we're talking about. Again, day one is exciting. It's it's chaotic. It's 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 memorable. It can be, but after you know day one of this season, how will you know it's a success for you?
2: Well, that's a good question.
1: That is a good
2: question. Everybody stays in the program, I guess.
0: <laughs> okay, let's co- let's talk this out. It doesn't have to be like uh, an indif- yeah, absolutely if they come back for week two, right? We know that's yeah, a success.
2: Every- I-, I also find uh, if my coaches are comfortable. Um, you know, we talked a lot about you know making sure everything's good for the kids, but. I think one thing for me is we have a, a large group of coaches and the key for me is making sure that they're happy and they're enjoying their time out mm-hmm. on the ice as well. Um, because, you know, a, a, and even for us, we joke, you know, Maggie, you have four-year-olds, so I can't even imagine, but our 6 year six, seven-year-olds are sometimes a, a lot to handle. Like they just want to slide on their bellies yeah. down the ice and that hour sometimes ticks a little slower than the other hours. So we try very hard to, you know, mix it up, make sure everybody's um, spending their share of time in different groups and uh, that activities are kind of pre-planned, or at least I try to hope that they're pre-planned and we can rotate through and and keep things ready. So um, yeah, I don't know. I'm hoping that they had a good enough experience the year before and they're coming back
1: yeah that's it's such a good point about the coaches and and making sure that they're having a good experience too, because again, we need them. They're so important to the program. um how i How I would know it's successful aside from the kids coming back the next week are we see a lot of them wanting to bring their friends out. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I always say yes to that as long as you fill out the consent forms online bring them try it you don't have to pay right away come out and try it and see if you like it Uh, and then we would love to have you so just kind of being open and inclusive um, and allowing them to bring friends because usually if um, if you're participating in a sport as a young kid and you have a friend that's right along there with you it's uh, there's a level of accountability but it also makes it more fun for you as well
2: So I love that, Meg, and I have a question for you. At what point in the Mm. year do you not let anyone join? Is there a point where you're like, "Mm, Never. Me neither, never. I let them join all year round. Even if it's my last week, I'm like, sure, come on out.
1: (laughs) Yep, the more the merrier. Come on out. And we saw it a lot last year, especially uh, it being an Olympic year. Uh, There was a lot of interest right at the end of our season. So yes, come out and try it. Uh, Just remember to register for next year. Um, and come out for the full season Um, and one thing that I really do want to mention before we end Glenn is that the briar is coming to London this year so there's a lot we're exploring a lot of ways that we can really engage our youth both curlers and non-curler families um, to kind of drive the excitement around the briar get them involved get them to games to see how exciting it is in person um, so that's uh, another of the opportunities that we're really excited for this year. And we're hoping it drives membership and engagement.
0: Do you have the dates for the briar or roughly when the briar is being held?
1: Oh, you're asking me all the hard questions tonight. I think it's, I want to say it's March, around March 13th. Um, I can get back to you
0: for sure. I
2: think March 13th is Champion Weekend. I think it's around March 3rd is opening weekend.
0: Okay, third to
2: thirteenth. Okay, thanks, Abby. Somewhere in there,
0: I'll uh, I'll make sure that those dates are on our show notes or just show description, so we'll know definitely which dates they are. Uh, Just out of the, just something that came to my head: uh, Are you bringing the little rocks or the youth program to the games? Like, uh, if they're that close,
1: we're going to try. So we're going to try to get them there as much as possible. I know that. Um, through some of the youth engagement initiatives, the committee is looking to reach out to schools as well to see Mm. if we can get the rocks and rings in their gyms and just get uh, more engagement to the people maybe who've never curled before or who might have been interested or even those who've never even heard of it um, to get them out and excited. And then again, Abby, to your point, come one, come all, uh, come try it out on the real life. We'd be happy to have you.
0: I don't have a great answer, but I'll talk it out as as we're finishing up this conversation. How will I know it's a success? Well, first, we're back on the ice. And after two years away, Mm -hmm. uh, that's in and of itself for me a success. But number two, I guess this is the way I've always sort of figured out whether things are going okay. Uh, After I dismiss the kids and they run upstairs because I can never stop them running, running upstairs to the lounge for snack, Uh, after they've sat down. I just walk upstairs and I just look around and I just get a sense, like are kids smiling? Are they talking to each other? Have they made new friends? Uh, I, I actually go up to them and I say, Hey, how was practice? You know, it was it good, did you, what did you like about it? What, what didn't you like about it? So, you know, I, it comes straight from their mouths sometimes, but I guess that's how I'll know it's a success. Just, uh, just, Being there in the in the presence of it afterward, and and they're excited to come back next week, as as you said, Abby. Yeah, if it's a pretty good sign if they uh, they want to come back and they want to bring friends too. So Mm -hmm. yeah, Um, so yeah, guys, thank you uh, so much for your time tonight. Uh, At this time, I'd love to call this part the plug your club part of the uh, evening. Uh, Tell us a bit about your club or what you're doing or what you're excited for it's just a a, a time to plug something it's most likely your club so uh uh maggie you want to go first
1: um sure so we talked about the briar and how excited we are for that um being a london and area club um if you want to follow us on socials you can reach out to me directly on juniors at com. Um, on the socials, you can find us at Elderton Curling Club as well. Um, and I would encourage you to follow us because we will have a lot of information as it gets up closer to the briar dates around what we can offer. We even have an incentive on right now for early bird registration for the club that if you register before September 12th, I want to say, um, you will be entered into a draw to, to win a, four fam- a four-ticket four family pack to the briar.
0: Oh, Nice. Okay, uh, Abby.
2: Well, I'm going to plug my Little Rock bond spiel and I'm hoping you guys can bring teams. <laughs> we are running, we're back running. Um, this will be our first like Little Rock spiel we're having that we're inviting outside teams. Usually we've run our own internal Little Rock Bonspiel, um, which has been wonderful, and they either bring a friend or we do it with our own. We have enough kids, we can we can run it with our own, but this one is actually going to be an invitational, and we're going to send it out and hope that there's other kids, and we want clubs to bring kids who have never been to a spiel before, um, and it's really based on fun. Um, so we're going to have like an under 8 to an under 11 division um, and we're still going to have a U12 division but the the U8 to U11 is really about kids who maybe have never experienced a bond spiel and, and maybe don't have the same skills so we'll have coaches on the ice helping them keeping the games moving but um, we just, um, anyways, I'm really excited about it this year and uh, it's going to be on November 26th and so we invite anyone who has little rockers who have never played in a bond spiel because I feel like playing in your first bond spiel is like a hook line sinker for you to want to stay in the sport.
1: Absolutely. So
2: um, I know it's a bit of a drive from Elderton Maggie, but consider
1: it. I could put you on the late draw. <laughs> <laughs> I would love to, that sounds amazing.
0: Well, Abby, I don't know if you have any information like on the website or uh,
2: no, like we don't have anything up yet. To be honest, um, I, we're five sheet club. And, and because we have so many kids, we'll, I don't know how many teams I'll be able to take in yet um, because I don't know how many internal teams we're going to end up filling. it will. I mean, Oshawa was great. We went to a spiel in Oshawa last year and they let us bring five teams. Um, So, um, so we hope that we can, you know, we don't want to just play throughout. So we're hoping to split that up between a couple of draws and get a lot of outside club teams. So, um, but as soon as I have it ready, Glenn, I will send it to you and you can get it to everybody.
0: Well, I'll definitely push it on our socials uh, and, in the show notes for this episode. I think that Oshawa bond spiel, I think I, I think I was there. Yeah. <laughs> it's one yeah. of the few that was actually mm-hmm. operational. So, uh, yeah, I, I would say nothing beats up the environment, the the atmosphere of a bond spiel, no matter what age you are. So, uh, yeah, uh, excited. Yeah, it's first when you're accepting outside teams. I, I hear you. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, uh, what can I say? Abby, Maggie. Again, thanks for joining me tonight and uh, good luck with your programs this season.
1: Thanks so much, Glenn. You too. Thanks, Glenn.
0: So that was my conversation with Maggie and Abby. If you're a supporter of this podcast, I encourage you to follow our Twitter account, which is the at symbol followed by Kids Curling. One more time, the at symbol followed by Kids Curling. I'll also have that Twitter handle Listed in today's show notes. This has been the Coaching Kids Curling Podcast. To reach me, Coach Glenn, please email Coaching Kids at gmail.com. To follow the podcast for free, visit our website, CoachingKidsCurling.com. You can also find show notes and links to the resources mentioned in this episode and in previous episodes. The intro and outro music. Is Golden Sunrise by Josh Woodward. Thanks for listening. Good luck and good curling.